And then I read the book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. You mean I have full control over what I create within my life? Like I can, I can switch gears. Okay, let's try this out. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Lisa. And this is There Are No Tangents. Feels like I see this all in a dream. What's the purpose of a human being? Never mind me. I'm just lost in my thoughts. What's the topic? Ain't no topic. Keep it going. No, no, stop it. Don't get the picture, then we grab it. With no emotion, what's the logic? Yeah. Just lost in our thoughts. Not on the surface beyond that. Pull back the curtains, I'm on that. Once we take it there, ain't no going back. Don't be losing the topic, man. We gotta stay on track. Yeah. So Dominique, what are some things that are like top of mind for you when you think about big shifts? For myself, my big shifts have really been like internal throughout my life because of past experiences um, from unresolved trauma. I grew up really censoring my voice. I was a major people pleaser and that really showed in all of my relationships. Like I was someone who never wanted to rock the boat because, you know, going along with everyone else made me feel safe, not sharing too much of my, you know, thoughts or insights kept me safe because of course I'd be free of judgment or criticism. And so I really muted my voice a lot. I just, I really became a chameleon with people that I dated even. And a lot of that now I know also shows up within my human design because I have a lot of openness. So that was a big part of just me not knowing who I really was on top of everything else. And so as I started my healing journey and I started really focusing on myself when I was probably 36, because I was tired of carrying around the victim mentality of, oh, you know, I'm like this because this happened to me, or I wish I could do this or be this, but I can't because this happened to me. And I really carried that with me throughout my lifetime. And then I read the book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. You mean I have full control over what I create within my life? Like I can, I can switch gears. Okay, let's try this out. And that just started the whole spiral of obsession around human behavior trauma, the effects of trauma, um, pretty much anything to do with protective mechanisms, what makes us do the things we do. And over the years, I came to find out that these layers I was peeling away, kind of like an onion, were layers of conditioning that I carried throughout my lifetime that was hiding the true me. And I have memories when I was really, really young before I experienced any of the trauma, but I have very few memories after that because dissociation 
was one of my protective mechanisms. I would just check out. I'd get teased by my friends all the time about having the worst memory and like, how could you not remember this or that? But for me, that's how I protected myself. That's how my nervous system wanted to protect me. Mm-hmm. And as I peeled these layers away, I was like, wow, this person feels really familiar. The curiosity, the talkative nature, the ability to go up to anyone and just ask questions about them or just carry conversation where I could not do that to save my life growing up. And I asked my parents to give me five words to describe me as a child, like before the age of five. And all of these words came out of their mouth. Curious, outgoing, talkative, full of life and love. And I was like, I am feeling that again. And I could not believe it. And then that kind of started me on to look into human design. I had loved astrology, came across human design, and that really, again, spiraled into an obsession since now I am getting certified in it because it helped me to gain greater awareness of how my conditioning kind of came about, how it affected me throughout my lifetime up until today. And through the whole process, it really showed me that if as a whole, this world could look at each other and themselves, each person themselves through a lens of compassion or a trauma-informed lens, the shift that we could create in this society would be extraordinary. The shift in greater love, greater acceptance for one another. I mean, I because I saw that shift within myself when I started to view myself through a lens of compassion, viewing my clients and teaching them how to do the same thing. And for my clients, that has been you know, according to their words, the greatest gift that they received through the coaching is to be okay with who they are, to know that, you know, they're not a bad person. They're not wrong. They're not broken. They don't need fixing. And that's where it starts when we can begin to accept ourselves. I I also say it's not It doesn't excuse anything. It explains things. So just because you're looking at others with compassion, it doesn't mean, you know, what they're doing, if it's really wrong, doesn't mean that it's okay. It's not excusing it, but it explains things and it starts with the awareness. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. I I really appreciate you sharing that and being so vulnerable about sharing some of your past history with the trauma and Um, it's wonderful that you've been able to take that. And now, you know, as it's shifted you internally, and now you're able to pour out into other people in that way and help them find those shifts. That's so wonderful. Yeah. Um, It's, it's been an exciting process. And that's really like when I knew I wanted to shift gears from physical therapy, that's when I was like, okay, you know, I want to help people at such a deeper level, not just, you know, physically, but the emotional well-being, because I believe that's what shifts everything else in our lives. I, I totally, oh, I can relate to that. I, I wasn't a physical therapist or anything like that, but I, I did used to be like a personal trainer. Um, and so I always felt that. Um, and I've always felt this connection to, um, 
like holistic health, right? Um, just all of these different components, they impact one another. You can't separate them. And mm -hmm. so it was just this constant, like, oh man, but feeling as though I didn't have the tools, like I can see what's going on, you know, with these folks. And I can see how all of the stress in their life or all of these different things are absolutely impacting how they're showing up in their lives. But I'm like, but I'm not like a therapist or a coach in that way. And like, so I can mention it and I can, you know, I couldn't do anything besides maybe pointing those things out to them. But, um, it was hard because, you know, you could just see like their mind spinning these different stories and how their emotions would take them on a ride. And then that would like lead to them not fulfilling their goals that they would have for their physical well-being. And then, right. you know, me wanting to just be like, but it's okay. Like we, you need to focus on this and then, you know, but it, yeah. anyway, it, I, I, so I relate in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough when you, when you're someone who can see all the good in somebody else and can see so clearly what, you know, it is that is holding them back. And there's, I mean, there's plenty of people that just have this sense of knowing what somebody else needs, but sometimes can't explain it or, you know, you don't want to explain it the, the wrong way because then that could be triggering for the person. And, you know, it's, it's really, really tough because I always felt the same way as well, where I saw the good in someone. And that, that was also part of what was not great about how I handled things when I was younger, because I had a habit of specifically with people that I dated, you know, moving towards the person that needed a little bit more help than I really could give them because I just saw how much potential there was. However, I was never holding them accountable to their own yeah. growth. And that, that definitely kind of got me in some spots that weren't great, but that's still one of the things that I love the most about myself is being able to sense those things about someone. Absolutely. Yeah. I always say like Carrie would know this from like the Enneagram community where like, you know, the, the best of you is also the worst of you, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, we have these incredible gifts and they're wonderful, but sometimes, you know, they can get a little contorted or right. Like I remember, mm -hmm. um, as a six, you know, um, I really do feel like I'm very loyal and steadfast, um, in a lot of ways. And I remember talking to here goes therapy again, talking to my therapist and expressing, um, some concerns with, you know, relational difficulties and saying, you know, and I just, I'm such a loyal person and it's hard for me to, to let go and, and transition sometimes. And like, as you're saying, like, I see the good and I remember what it was. And so I don't understand why it's now changed and the cognitive dissonance builds. And anyway, she was just kind of point blank, like you are very loyal and that's wonderful but can't you also be loyal to a fault? And I was like, yep. <laughs> like check. <laughs> I absolutely yeah. can. And now I'm going to go think about this. So, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but I, I love that um, you recognize that as one of your gifts. That's great. Yeah. It's uh, it's been a beautiful journey, a major struggle, of course, at times, but it um, has just been so fascinating because I also spent most of my life thinking like, what's the purpose of life? Like, okay, I'm just going to be here, work, 
you know, do whatever I need to do and then die. I'm like, I was also someone just that didn't really see uh, a purpose and didn't believe in really having a purpose. And that again, was a major shift when I started peeling away those layers of everyone else's beliefs and values and stories and really went inside and asked myself all those questions without anyone else's, you know, impact. And that, that was just, it was such a beautiful thing to start to see unravel. Yeah. Is, do you, do you know your Enneagram? Are you an attachment type? Are you three, six or nine? I'm a nine. Are you? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, With a lot of a strong threeness too. Mm. I was going to say, I can, it's, that's got to be one of your fixes. Um, the three? I, is I that... would think. Um, I would think. Um, I'm always so fascinated about that because I know, Carrie, you said um, before, was it a six? Like at my healthy, my healthiest, I go to a six. Is that what nines do? Or is it the three? Three and health. Oh, okay. Okay. So then, all right. I was, Which makes so, sense to me. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. That yeah, does be- make a lot of sense. Because I definitely used to see a lot of the one uh, wing in myself mm-hmm. for a long time. And I don't really see it that much now, but it's, I also don't know as much about it as you guys, but I think it's so fascinating. Carrie, whenever you mention yeah. things like that, like, okay, yeah, that's because it's the healthy state and mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I can see, I can see the one wing. Um, mm-hmm. For sure. Definitely like, um, because you definitely are very warm and, and heart forward, but you're like, you seem very competent. Like I see a lot of competency, like mm-hmm. their wing one's a competency, um, you know, type as well as three. So it's interesting. Very interesting. Cool. Very so, cool. Anyway, I'm not here to type you. I'm just here to, <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. Like I'm I just love curious. learning more. You will I'm be thinking like, about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Dominique, how did you find your type? Uh, the Enneagram type. Yeah. Did you just like, just going on? No, I just went online and I did a couple of different tests and, um, it was between like, yeah, nine or a one. And I know then it goes for the, the wings, but Mm -hmm. it was always like nine or one that I had gotten with some of the tests, but that's, that's pretty much, yeah. I never paid for a test though. It was always the free one. So I don't know how good that would be, but. Gotcha. Well, you and Carrie know each other pretty well. And Carrie, do you feel like that's probably pretty? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think she's highly likely a nine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You've said that for a while. It resonated with me too. And I'm like, I would say almost definitely a nine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nine wing one. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Lisa, and see like, okay, was any of that pinging? Oh yeah, definitely. Absolutely. For sure. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, I was curious, Dominique, if you wanted to talk a little bit more, maybe about um, weaving together the trauma informed coaching with human design, like in practical terms for your clients, are you interested in talking about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what, um, what I'm going to be really focusing on moving forward is pulling up each person's body graph. So that way we can kind of take a closer look at where they may be more susceptible 
to conditioning and how the different stories play out in their lives, the stories that um, the, the client is carrying. And a lot of it is really, for me, was identifying what stories were mine, what weren't mine, what type of protective mechanisms were mine and, you know, why. And I also work a lot in nervous system regulation when it comes to the trauma-informed side, because ultimately we have to create safety within our body in order to move forward and to heal. And that goes with like anxiety, depression, um, PTSD, any type of really pain point in life that we might feel emotionally pretty much stems from a dysregulated nervous system. So with human design that kind of falls into, especially around the spleen center. And so that allows me to kind of tie in more nervous system work. If there's a lot kind of going on in that spleen center with the fear patterns and stories. So it's like, yes. And I have almost all of the gates around my spleen. Mm, that are yeah. yeah. I have my spleen center is open. So not only am I absorbing a lot and amplifying, but I have a lot of the gates highlighted mm-hmm. as okay. well. That's yeah. just super interesting to me. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, no. So that's why I just think it's, it's such a beautiful combination because you have the trauma informed side where, you know, I, I know how to approach things. I know how to converse without triggering someone. Um, and that is just so incredibly crucial because the last thing you want to make someone feel like is they're being blamed or judged or shamed. And also to feel like they have full control over what they can and cannot share or you know mm. want to share. So having that piece mixed into it, I think just brings together such, again, like a beautiful marriage because trauma is about, you know, deconditioning, peeling away the layers of everything Uh, that you're not and teaching your body that it is safe. Human design can help you identify who you really are outside of all of that conditioning and the patterns that we carry. Yeah. That makes so much sense Mm -hmm. really to put those two things together. That's awesome. It's so exciting. Yeah. absolutely. I was really excited to I know Lisa was excited. So I was excited to have the three projectors on because, you know, I've heard all of you say it's more of a rare energy type. Right. Um, and so the fact that it's three versus one here, um, I think that that's cool. So, I mean, that would be kind of neat to like, so Carrie, I know you've talked a lot about, and I think I've heard you all talk about this on your podcast too. Um, like, what has it shown you? Like, how do you carry like being Enneagram informed and also knowing about like your human design and all of that? Like, how do I want to ask this? Are they so overlapped and meshed for you in your mind now that, okay, Uh, you use them for separate things. That's what I'm trying to get at. Like I do. Okay. I think my human design, I I don't know my human design super deeply. So I know like the mm-hmm. basics of being a projector and what that can mean. And then yeah. things Dominique has told me about my personal chart. So I'll just talk from the projector lens, not like going into the profile and all of that. Sure. I think being a projector is at complete odds with being a type one. Mm-hmm. 
because type ones, um, you know, generally are hardworking and do all the things that they see people not doing right. And they maybe overexert themselves unnecessarily because they want to make everything perfect Mm -hmm. and I think also like growing up in the Midwest like hard work was the number one value that my family like told us was important when you're an adult like you need to be hardworking. you need to like give your job your all your job needs to be very important and you need to be really good at it and valued and be a team player and all of these things and I, I just like got so burnt out because I was doing all that and I was not valuing or allowing myself rest. And when I did rest, I felt so guilty mm-hmm. that I wasn't like, I always yes. knew there was more I could be doing. There was I more work that. I could be doing. I absolutely feel that. Mm-hmm. And just honoring how much rest I actually need is I'm still trying to deconstruct that because I still catch myself thinking I'm being lazy Mm -hmm. and avoiding naps even if I feel tired and Mm -hmm. beating myself up for like not getting up early in the morning and things like that Mm -hmm. so it sounds like that's brought in a lot more like self-acceptance right like for just your natural state like I'm trying to get to self-acceptance but it it makes me feel like at least oh like this is naturally how I am like and I grew up both my parents are generators and my sister's a manifesting generator so I grew up in a very energetic get up early let's get started household Mm -hmm. yeah that's what makes it so confusing for projectors especially again since projectors make up approximately 20 percent of the population Mm-hmm. And the majority of everyone in our lives is going to be a generator of mm-hmm. some sort. And so if we're constantly trying to keep up with them and and match, you know, what they're here to do, that's incredibly confusing for projectors. And that's why projectors will burn out more um, like sooner in life. Like I hit burnout at 28. I think Carrie, you around that age right felt like yeah right body did because that's Mm -hmm. when I got diagnosed with a chronic illness and yeah and myself too at 28 a lot of times for projectors it's around that um the Saturn return 28 to kind Mm -hmm. of 30 years of age and it's something that happens and it's typically because you're hitting burnout like you're frying your circuit And mine was a nervous system disorder that I was diagnosed with at 28. So yeah, for projectors, it's, and I think, because I struggle, Carrie, with the same thing, like being okay with taking a nap and not working more than what my body will allow me. And now I actually pick up on the signs that my body sends me. I get red, my nose and my cheeks get red at like on the dot, 1 p.m. every single day. It's like my body is telling me, okay, slow down, stop working now. And when I do take a break and rest, I'm fine. It's like my nervous system is just like, okay, we've had enough. We need a break. And um, it's, yeah, it's just finding Mm. just the change in the pattern and working on that consistently. It's, it's Mm. hard. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely, I can see where it would be in our society for sure. I'm like, 
oh, okay. I need something in my chart to say, you can also stop beating up on yourself and slow down. So I need to find where that is. So this outside authority can tell me that it's okay to do it. Cause I'm, <laughs> no. um, but outside we all need to slow down. We all need to slow even down. Even yeah, many gens, even though yes. you have that energy, like it's not unlimited. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely not. Yeah, that's for sure. And you all, you said something, I don't know if it was carrier. I think it was you, Dominique. You were talking about the Saturn return thing for mm -hmm. projectors or mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Is that, does that show up in some form or fashion um, multiple times throughout the human design? Because when you said that, it made me think, I read something about that with the six line my six line. Yeah. yeah. Cause you go through different phases, your process is different phases. So later on in life is kind of when you really like hit that aha, you know, moment where things just feel real settled and, you know, kind of complete in a way, but yeah, we have different Saturn returns that we, um, will go through. And so that's probably what you're, you're thinking of that first when, oh, one. When's our next ones. Um, I, well, like what was it 28? Yeah. Yeah. Add, add 28 to 28. <laughs> All right. Don't let's do math. math. I, no. Yeah. 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 I get yeah. made fun of so much like by my husband. Cause he's like, you don't know your multiplication tables. And I'm like, oh, I know some of them, but if you're like <laughs> eight times seven, I'm like 56. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you win. Yeah. <laughs> That's it though. Yeah. No. Here is okay. something. Okay. So on that topic, um, to take this to astrology, Dominique, I'm a Capricorn sun and moon and Virgo rising. I mean, that's not exactly a lot of relaxation. Are you too? Like, I'm not caring. Oh my gosh. I was going to ask everyone's big three. So I love that you did. Yeah. I'm you Taurus the same sun, Gemini moon and Virgo rising. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm a Scorpio sun. Then my moon is Libra and I'm an Aries rising. And so, yeah, I definitely have more, especially with the Aries, you know, side of it, the more yeah. energy and the, the work as well. But like, I do notice that mentally, I can't think clearly if I'm really just too tired or burnt out. And for me, it's more of like, okay, I need to go to bed before I'm really, really tired. I need to get at least eight hours. And then I'm usually pretty good if I do work a full day the next day. Uh, but I just kind of manage my energy day by day. And I just try my best to not work past what my body is okay with. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say about that? Also, wait, before you answer your thing about the Capricorn, what am I? <laughs> Gemini sun. Um, I think I'm Aries moon and maybe. Leo rising. Mate. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Cause my North node is in Leo. Yep. Okay. All right. What were you going to say about the Capricorn thing? <laughs> say like Capricorn sun and Virgo rising is not exactly a super relaxed person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, but you can use that energy like in a more, I don't know, laid back, easygoing way, you know, as, as being a guide and a projector, you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's very confusing to me. Because it is hard to relax because I'm always like, 
oh, well, I have this thing to do. And if I just get it done, then I won't have to think about it anymore. Yeah. Oh, I have this. I can just get it done, then I won't have to think about it. And I don't want to have to like have the stuff hanging over my head. And then it's, you know, whatever, late and I'm exhausted. And then it's not like I don't have anything else left the next day or whatever. It's still like, there's always like something. And so figuring out that is like- And in your human in your human design chart, do you have an open head center? And yeah, yeah. Okay. I think I think my Ajna might be colored in. Okay, so you have the defined, yeah. I can't remember, but definitely open head. And then also, you know, depending on if you have an open, um, is it the the root? Knowing when enough is enough. I that is defined for me. It's all very confusing yeah. in terms of how things play out, but you know, mm-hmm. conditioning natural that's yeah that's that's also it like okay is it conditioning because you saw your parents do it that way or you know whatever it may be right exactly yeah yeah wow okay I'm just sitting here (laughs) I thought you were gonna say something else Lisa (laughs) that was it that was it oh I know it's waiting for I thought you were about to say something I'm like about um what did you asked about? Oh, just like your, I guess it was the interaction of your Enneagram type and human design. Oh yeah. Just to see how, like, um, if you've noticed either similarities or con- contradicting things or, or if you, what I was, I think getting at was like, you know, are there places where, so for me, I'll just speak and I don't use the human design a lot but it has been really powerful for me to just even read a little bit about the four and six lot, right? Like that feels so true for me. Um, so that's, you know, just to kind of understand myself better, but I think the biggest way I use human design and I don't even probably do this as much as I should is with the authority and the emotional authority, because I can, I, I have the, you know, all the generators, I guess, have that sacral defined or whatever. So I will get like initial, like Oh yeah. Like I want to, you know, but, and so sometimes I want to act on that right then, but I think, okay, all right, maybe I need to just kind of let this wave ride out and then I'll see how I'm feeling about it. Um, so, but I've found that it doesn't really work quite as much the opposite way. Right. Because I'm not going to have like a strong ass no, and then be like, well, let me just sit with this. (laughs) So I'm like, you know, it's more when something is like, yeah, oh, that sounds so fun. Um, but then I have to sort of, you know, peel it back or whatever. So anyway, I guess what I'm asking is like, are there components of human design you use more for specific things versus like Enneagram, la, la, la. I love that you really focus on the authority because I think for me, that is like the most important thing because that that's your intuition. That's how you're making the best decision for yourself. And so many of us don't know what our intuition feels like and sounds like, or we assume like, oh, you know, I'm going to feel it in my gut. Like I'm going to get this gut instinct. And that is just not the case. Um, There's so many different ways. So when, when I am really just trying to get someone more aware of what their body graph is showing them, like I focus on their, their type and their strategy, which I kind of just combine as one, mm-hmm. the authority 
for sure. And the profile, which is that uh, for you, Emma, the four, six. And, you know, I always say, if, if you know those three areas, you can do so much with your life. You can really just get the ball rolling in the direction that you're desiring. And I don't know enough about the Enneagram myself to really pull that in, even to my everyday life. Like, I know I'll say certain things and Carrie will be like, oh, that's, yep, that's type nine. And it just always is like, yeah, that's just me. Like that feels like a part of me. And probably because I've worked on so much of the deconditioning already throughout the years that a lot of the shifts in the the wing or whatever you might call it aren't as obvious to me. Mm-hmm. And it's very much more of, I focus so much on my energy and what I'm feeling. Cause I've done so much work to try to get into my body since I used to dissociate. So human design has really helped me process that even, even more. So again, like what is my energy? What is somebody else's energy? The emotions that I do feel coming through, like, because I'm a non-emotional, I can better understand like, okay, it's because this person is maybe feeling this today. And since I'm amplifying things, I'm like magnifying maybe like a two out of 10 of sadness into a seven out of 10, you know? So it just has given me so much more awareness with um, the focus on the human design side when it comes to that body awareness. Yeah, I think Dominique is a great example of like seeing a nine. I mean, I didn't know her as well and personally before she started doing a lot of her work on herself and her trauma, but like how she describes herself, like seeing like her moving through mm-hmm. the stages of the levels of development, if we want to call them that, or just like from an unhealthy nine to a healthy nine right? with yeah, how cool. much she was dissociated. Right. And how out of touch with her body she was. She was out of touch with her anger. Like she said, she never wanted to rock the boat. She went with the flow. Mm-hmm. She just suppressed her own opinions and her her own yeah. self and tried to Needs. make herself as small yeah. as possible. And that's not yeah. at all how I perceive you now. Like Yeah, like yeah. small means safe to me. If I'm invisible, I'm like safe. That Well, that was me. And that's why it was so hard for me to start like getting on camera, like face-to-face and doing things on YouTube and even just speaking my thoughts in my mind more openly because that was not keeping me small. (laughs) Which it is interesting. I mean, you could have been a three in going to your nine in extreme unhealth, like, Mm -hmm. hmm. Not to rock your whole world, but I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just I'm fascinated by this whole thing. I'm gonna keep thinking about all of this um after we log off for sure. Um, I want to hear more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll be happy to share. That's awesome. I I love all of it, like how it all comes together. And again, it's just it's a self-awareness tool. Nothing's written in stone, and you know, it's not a cult or anything. It's just like no, this is going to give you some tools because, especially because these things have been around for centuries, like astrology, the Kabbalah, the Chinese I Ching, like these are ancient systems that have been used. I mean, forever. It's not new. And um, yeah, it's just, it's fascinating. Yeah. 
is there anything else that you all wanted to say or anything else you would like to touch on um, before we sort of, we were going to end with a little question that we've been asking, which if I can find it, I had it right here. I thought, oh, there it is. Kind of ask our sort of little wrap up question. And it's an easy question. We've been asking it to everybody. No, I think this is just so exciting to finally be on with you guys. Cause I just, I, I think it's so cool. Like how you, Emma and Lisa have kids, Carrie and I don't have kids. And we're both in this, you know, space of the self-awareness discovery and again, like how our paths have just kind of started with podcasts. This is just so much fun. So thank you very much. And we can't wait to have you on our podcast. Yeah. I know we're, we're both very excited about that as well. Um, awesome. All right. Here's the little question. Um, so is there a lesson you've learned or a takeaway that feels important to you after some of the shifts and transitions you've had in your life? Like, is there something that you're like, you know, here's one thing I've kind of taken away or learned about myself and it can be deep or not deep or whatever. (laughs) doesn't matter whoever wants to jump in. I think for myself, it's kind of how I mentioned learning to view ourselves and others through a lens of compassion. Mm -hmm. And the more compassion we can hold for ourselves and the more of that shift that can come from what we're desiring if we are working on becoming a better person because it removes so much of the shame and blame that comes with just experiencing life and having to go through trial and error. And yeah, that lens of compassion was huge for me. Yeah, it's a good one. This is not an easy question. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Well, okay, how about this? I, I think I said, Okay. It doesn't have to be the one lesson you've learned. It could be one of the many lessons. <laughs> I don't know if that's helpful. All cause... of mine, I feel like sounds so cliche for my type, but <laughs> it is what it is. Um, like truly, this is a little embarrassing to even admit because this is like, <laughs> most people would probably already have this lesson <laughs> as a child. But like truly knowing that there's more than one way to do something or to go about life, like seriously, that has been a huge adjustment for me to like be open and to like allow, especially at this phase in my life when I am living again in my childhood home and like seeing how my parents do things like not at all how I would do anything and accepting that and being okay with it and not correcting it. Yeah. Um, I, I just thought of a story you shared with me and I don't know if you're willing to share. Oh, I know what it is. Go ahead. Will you share that? I I think, think I think it's what you, I think I think it involves your sister, right? Yep. Okay. Is it when, um, (laughs) I said to my sister, this was probably, I don't know, six or seven years ago I said to my sister we were um like on a weekend getaway together with our partners and I randomly said I forget why don't you just wish everyone in the world is this it Emma yes don't you just wish everyone in the world thought exactly how you do like the world would be (laughs) such an amazing place if everyone just thought how how I thought like I've thought that my whole life and still do 
And my sister, <laughs> her jaw dropped and she was mortified. I even had this thought in my head and she was like, do you really think that? You really think that if everyone thought how you thought the world would be great, like diversity is what makes the world amazing and blah, 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 blah. And I just was like, oh, okay. Never say that again to someone because it is not right to think that. <laughs> but yeah, I truly felt like that. Emma, did I tell you that when we were kids, my sister, I was probably an early teen. And so she was 10-ish probably. Yeah. She's three years younger than me. Um, you know, on our old school printer that like went ee, 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 printed yeah. out this sign, this big sign that said Carrie's rules. Number one, Carrie's always right. Number two, see rule number one. <laughs> and she meant it as like an insult. And I was like, thank you. And I like hung at my room. I thought it was like the most <laughs> genius thing anyone ever realized about me. Oh my God. That's awesome. I love that. Yes. I'd forgotten about that story, but you did tell me that. I love it. That's too funny. Um, I appreciate you being vulnerable enough to share that story. That's, um, I mean, we all have shit like that. I mm. mean, so, <laughs> but this is about y'all. So we're not going to like venture into <laughs> So, uh, anyways, I just, I love it so much. Um, Lisa, was there anything else, any other questions or whatever? Oh goodness. Not, not specifically about the transitions necessarily, but like, I would love to just talk to you guys more about being a projector and human design in general, Dominique, that kind yeah, of stuff. Absolutely. Anytime. This is like exactly what we love talking about. Yeah. Nonstop. Yeah. 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 I would love that. That's what I, I've, yeah, that's what I was just thinking about, Emma. Okay. okay. That's what your brain, yeah, your your brain is working with um, lots of questions with especially that one. <laughs> yeah. Lisa, do you have many projectors in your life? Because Dominique was the first projector I met in person or like in my real life. And right. it was like, <gasps> yes, no, I literally don't know anybody's human design except for Emma's. And I've done my, like my husband and my kids, of course, they're all generators and manifesting generators. Like everybody's human design that I do know are generators or are manifesting generators, everyone. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not necessarily that many people. Like, I don't know anybody who's human design. So not sure, you know, but yeah, you guys are the first people I've actually talked to who are projectors. So yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun to come on with you guys again and chat more about it. Yeah. yeah. You could maybe provide further instruction and that sort of stuff. Yeah. That could For be sure. a really helpful episode. I'll have to read For up sure. on my stuff too. Cause I don't, I mean, I know very little do what I need. I need to refresh my memory on a lot of my things. Yeah. Yeah. It is so incredibly complex. It's insane. Like how complex it is. Well, this has been wonderful and we would absolutely love to have y'all on again sometime and look forward to being on y'all's pod at some point as well in the future. And, um, this is great. We appreciate you sharing, you know, some of the transitions and shifts that you've gone through as well as like throwing in some of this other content with human design, Enneagram, all that. This is exactly, I think what we were hoping for in terms of like, it, it helps to give that language, right? Like as we're describing mm -hmm. these things, it's like, 
okay, well, here's how I kind of make sense of that, you know, or here's mm -hmm. what this has taught me. And so anyway, I'm just appreciative yeah. to you all. Yeah. It's been so awesome. Yeah. I loved meeting you guys. I know. I feel like I know you, but I don't obviously know. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise, this is so, so much fun. And then, yes, we cannot wait to have you guys on our podcast really soon. Yay. Great. Well, we will put your all's information in the show notes for anybody who wants to reach out or connect with you all in any way. And so, yeah, it'll be there. All right. Thank you. You. Okay. Bye. 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 Thanks for hanging with us through today's tangents. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back again soon, but meanwhile, you can follow along with us on Instagram at NoTangents. We would love it if you would subscribe and maybe even consider leaving us a review, a highly complimentary one. Keep it going, no, no, stop it. Don't get the picture, then we crap it. With no emotion, what's the lie? We just lost in our thoughts.